3: It's hour number two of the Great Peterson Experience on v The Sports Bank Network, we got a tremendous hour for you guys. In 15 minutes, we're going to be taking a look at the AFC and NFC title games with Ryan Kramer, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're going to be taking a look at it from all angles, obviously the side and the total, but we're going to try to see if there's a little bit of value in terms of the player pop market as well because, as we know, three games left in terms of the NFL season, which means that, well, we've got to probably be starting to take a look at other things we all fire in on as well. You don't want to have too much money that is just locked up in one set side, one set total. Now, if you've got a big giant advantage with regards to one of these games, absolutely do bet a little bit more if you feel comfortable with that. I personally am a little bit more of a flat better. I am not one that is going to be going out and If your normal bet size is $100, just one of those basic examples there, not a time to be firing in $10,000 on any side or total. This is not the time for that, especially with these numbers being very, very sharp this time of year and one of the most efficient markets on the face of planet Earth. So we're going to be looking for some edges with Ryan in about 15 minutes. Here in this segment, we're going to be looking for an edge on the college basketball card. We were able to get right we're able to get the under in TCU versus Oklahoma for the DK Nation pick for Tuesday. So that was good. TCU had a held down Oklahoma for about an eight-minute span from the eight, end of the first half into the second half. So that is what we do like to see. And we're going to go back to the under terrain on this one as this time we go from the Big 12. And we're going to be heading out to the SEC for this game. This is 689, 690 on the betting board. Tennessee is playing us to Georgia. Georgia is a 16 and a half point underdog, pretty much across the board at this point. And your total between 135 and 135 and a half. I do see a little bit of value with Georgia. I set them as a 15 and a half point underdog, so being able to get 16 and a half, I'm going to be willing to take it with Tennessee. It sort of blends into why I do like the under as well. They are a very Jekyll and Hyde offensive team in that. When they get the shots of fall and when they're pretty good at not turning the ball over, this is a team that's able to function well. But both of these teams, Tennessee and Georgia, they're both very similar in terms of their turnover rate. Both of these teams between 260th and 270th in terms of possessions that end in a turnover with both teams. Right around 19 or so percent of possessions ending in a turnover and Big reason why my DK Nation pick is going to be on the under in this ordeal as well is that this Tennessee team is just absolutely ridiculous on defense. Number one in all of college basketball, towards of points allowed on a per possession basis, and you take a look at them at home, they are allowing 72.8 points per 100 possessions. The next closest team is allowing 74.8 points. Per 100 possessions at home. And that will be Iowa State. And after the showing that we saw with them against Kansas State, that is going to be going even further northward. So Tennessee doing a great job on that front. And it just continues on because with Tennessee, they allow opponents when they're on their own floor to shoot 19.9% from three-point range. As you can imagine, that is the number one mark in all of college basketball. But you've also got a Georgia team that's been able to do a relatively solid job Will be able to guard the three-point arc as well. They're number 13 in all of college basketball in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Now, Georgia, they've been able to get past the 70-point plateau in seven out of their last nine games. So, they've done a good job recently with their offense, but they still rank 159th in the country. In terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, and it's not like they're playing at some sort of a high-octane breakneck pace or anything like that. They're very much middle of the road in terms of possessions per game. Somewhere in that neighborhood about 160th, 170th. So this is not a bunch that's looking to play super duper fast. Meanwhile, you do have a Tennessee team that's been playing at a relatively mid-tempo pace themselves. You've got a whole is greater than some of its parts approach with this team. Because Santiago Vescovi, he's been the main scorer for the team with right around 12.5 points. Shoots in the mid-30s from three-par range. But then from there... You've got guys like Tyree Key, Olivier Kamwa, Zakai Ziegler, all giving you between about 9.5, 11 points per game. They now have Josiah Josiah Jordan James back at the fold. He's also another one of those guys that's registering for you right around 10.5 points per contest. So a lot of equal contributions for this team. I do think that for Tennessee, they're also going to do a nice job by committee of rebounding as they don't have a single guy that gives you north of 5.5 rebounds per game. But yet they still rank 7th in the country in terms of rebound rate. Just a whole bunch of bounds up and down the boulevard for the Tennessee team. But feels like with the Tennessee team, they either shoot like 60% from 3 or they shoot 20% from 3. You really don't have a lot of in-between with them. And I do think that the way that Georgia has been able to guard the arc, it is going to bode quite well. So, a circumstance where I set my number at 15 and a half. I'm going to be willing to take the 16 and a half with Georgia in this spot. I'm taking a look at the points. And... regards to this total set my total more around a 127.5 so getting between 135 and 135 and a half very appealing to me the write-up it is on the under and i'm also going to be taking a look at the points as well and something else that we've got to take a look at before we break down our next game got to give credit where credit is due to all the people behind the scenes that do absolutely incredible work like for those of you guys are watching on youtube tv visa.com what have you you're seeing the nice graphics with the Tennessee and Georgia spread up there. That is our good friend, Nick, that is in charge of all of that. I was mentioning the guest list that we've got for tonight as Ryan Kramer. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's going to be joining me in about 10 minutes. Our wonderful producer, Jason Kahn, is in charge of that, and he's in charge of keeping me in line. That is very, very difficult to do, yet he does so very well for everything that you hear on this program as well. And not just a Greg Peterson experience, but if you like, follow the money, final countdown, Visa and Big Bets. You're able to go down the list of shows. You're able to get all of those at slash podcast or wherever you're able to get a podcast feed in general. Apple Podcast, Google Play, list goes on and on. You got the Visa Best Bets feed, and Sean posts up every single hour of what we do here at the network. And then we've got my wonderful audio engineer Taylor. We are now on Sports Vamp Radio. So if you're on sports Math, welcome into the Greg Peterson Experience and welcome into VSEN. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing and hearing it all so well because our good friend Taylor does absolutely incredible work getting me set up on audio and making sure that I'm able to hear everything. He does great work. So big thanks to all those guys behind the scenes. Now let's continue to roll forward with this college basketball card that we've got as we've got a team that was number one in the country. A few days ago. Now they are not, and I feel like they're still maybe a little bit overinflated in terms of their line. 695, 696 on the betting board. Central Florida playing us to Houston. Houston opens up a seven-point favorite. Now they're between a nine and a half to a ten-point favorite. Year total, it is between 127 and 127.5. And, and at seven, I thought that it was a little bit of a buy point on Houston. That wasn't too bad a value. Here at 9.5 to 10, we have went a little bit too far as I set my line more in the neighborhood of 8 with Houston being the favorite. So north of 9, it is a take for me on Central Florida. Now, the role that I say you've got with Central Florida is that Darius Johnson, really the team's a leader in steals as he's been able to get about 2.5 steals per contest, 11 points per game. He's going to be out of the fold in this one, so it means that they are going to be relying just a little bit more on Taylor Hendricks. Nice six-foot-nine combo player that's able to shoot the high thirties from three-point range. Fifteen points, a little bit over a block, seven rebounds per game. He's been able to do amazing work for the team. Now with Houston, we always hype up the defense and all the amazing work that it does, but this is also a bunch that has been a top-ten team in terms of offensive efficiency—merely the amount of points that you score on a per-possession basis. A pair of guys in Jawan Roberts, and then you're able to throw in there as well. Another very good rebounder, and Jarris Howard. They both have been able to do a really nice. Or Jarris Walker. They've been able to combine for about 13 and a half rebounds per game. They both give you a double figure amount of points, but it's really Jamal Shed, which is why this team is so efficient. Over five assists, fewer than two turnovers per game. He only scores about eight points per game, but he's able to find the good three point shooters like Treymont Mark, Marcus Sasser out there in space, and Mark. He's been able to shoot about 38-39% for three with about 10 points per game. But then you take a look at the flip side for Central Florida. Ithio Horton, C.J. Kelly, they've been able to combine for about 24 points per game. And Kelly shoots the high 30s from 3 point range. So he has been really good for this offense. I do think that for Houston, they should be able to get the job done outright in this spot. And I do think that this is going to be very much a defense-oriented battle. With Central Florida not having Johnson out there. Has caused their defense to fall off just a little bit, but it is still a team that ranks in the top 40 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. I don't care who you are; it is very difficult to go on the road and be able to get a win. So I did set my number eight. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Central Florida. I Felt like this total should have been a little bit closer to more around a 123, 123 and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this ordeal, and I'm also going to be taking a look at the points with Central Florida. Also, I've got it upon. My home state team, the Wisconsin Badgers. This is going to be game number 685-686 with Wisconsin. You're finding them as an underdog in this spot. They open up a right around a 5-5.5-point five, five underdog. This has come down to 4.5-5 to five in a lot of spots. Totals Zane, we're doing 123.5 and, and 124, and you've had offensive struggles with Maryland, to say the least. They're about 265th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, but I think that Wisconsin keeps us close enough to where you get late-game felling. I said Wisconsin as a four-point underdog. I'm going to take the four-and-a-half to five. And with Wisconsin, Tyler Wall, along with their other big man and Stephen crawl they give you a combined 13 rebounds per game. It's a Wisconsin team that they always get their slow, grimy tempo, and they shoot it quite well from three-point range with having Connor Asesian along Chucky Eppern, both shooting over 40 per, 45% from three point range. So I do think that you got a little bit of value here on Wisconsin. Going to be taking a look at the points with the Badgers, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over and something else that also has value getting Ryan Kramer of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on this show. Going to be taking a look at the AFC and NFC Championship game with him next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network.
4: 18 plus. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the sports betting network.
3: Watch football with a little bit more on the line by playing for free in the Guinness same Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Guinness, set your lineup. And watch the action unfold as you play for your share of $115,000 all postseason long. Kenneth, made of more terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions, do apply. See for details. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa the sports Bank Network. Great to be joined by Ryan Kramer. He does amazing work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Ryan, it's always great to have you aboard. I know that you've got... Your New York Giants gear in the background. Unfortunately, we are not getting them, but we are still, regardless, getting some great matchups. So I do appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Oh, uh, you know, as a Giants fan, I have to have that weird moment where it's like I've watched the the postseason presser. I'm excited about the draft. I'm excited about next year, but we still have to talk about these last three football games for those still playing.
3: Absolutely. And hey, in their honor, I wore. Blue, I wore a blue suit, I wore a blue tie, because it was obviously because I knew that you were a Giants fan, it was just what was in my closet, but that said, I will try to sell to you that narrative, and when it comes to trying to sell narratives, do you take a look at these postseason games, now that we're down to the nitty gritty, a little bit different than you would during the regular season, because no doubt, you don't want to be completely discrediting numbers that we saw during the regular season, what we've seen throughout just 18 weeks of the NFL season. But it does feel like this is a time of year with a little bit of a different feel. And sometimes I do feel like sometimes when it comes to just some marginal numbers, when it comes to things that are relatively tight, you maybe throw that out for things like the it factor.
4: Yeah. And I know it scares people sometimes to not have a trend to back their opinion or not have some, some cool analytics or, or some sort of over expectation uh, variable. I-, I think sometimes you just gotta, you do have to look at the situation. You have to understand how NFL teams operate and you have to understand how the market operates. And, you know, we, we were talking about this a little off air, but uh, pretty shocked to see some of the movement on the AFC championship side, both for, t- for two reasons. One, right, you have the obvious example of, hey, this is Patrick Mahomes, five straight AFC championship games at home Sure, he's banged up, but this is still Andy Reid. This is still a great Chiefs team. And then they're taking on the Bengals. And, you know, what does the public know now? Well, Joe Burrow has never lost to this man. He's got the heater. You know, he's a, he's Joe Burr. He's postseason Burrow. And, and for the same reasons, people are talking themselves into Brock Purdy. I mean, think about it. How many times this season did we hear someone say, is Joe Burrow better than Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? Zero. Until right now. And now we're talking about it because Patrick Mahomes, as Chris Collinsworth so eloquently put it, is now just human with the high ankle sprain. So, you know, you want to talk about gut handicapping too. You you look to the other side, the NFC, and it's a rookie coming to Philadelphia. I'm not really sure what other variables matter. Uh, Why is this not a three-point spread? So, You know, shocked to see Kansas City as a dog, honestly, even though I I saw the way Mahomes looked very human and also shocked to see Philadelphia laying less than three.
3: Yep, it has been so interesting to take a look at the movement in terms of this AFC title game. We'll hit on the NFC title game in a few minutes, but I think we've got to take a look at the flip of favorites here because Patrick Mahomes does not find himself as an underdog very often at all. And as what we're finding right now, We've seen, I mean, if you want to take a look at the openers, most of the places had this as right around a two, two and a half opener. DraftKings had a three. It lasted for about six minutes and 15 seconds. And I'm not even joking when I say that. I think, I actually think I rounded up a few seconds as to how long that lasted. But, I mean, we have seen right around about a four-point move in terms of slime because now it's the Bills, or now it's the Bengals being a one and a half point favorite. What do you make out of this, and do you think that the line has moved either too much, or do you think we might even see a little bit more line movement?
4: I mean, it almost feels like we're going to be having this conversation for the next three weeks because I think whatever Super Bowl matchup we we see will be a similar kind of bounce between the two and a halfs. I think this is just natural reaction to the fact that oh wow, Patrick Mahomes did get hurt; he did get suffer an injury. That could uh, hurt him more in this next game than it looked like it hurt him in that uh, second half with adrenaline and everything like that. I, I, to me this is this is ju- this is natural. This I think Cincinnati probably should close uh, the favorite as long as there's any sort of hesitation with Mahomes and, and will he play? Won't he play? I think he he almost certainly plays, but how good and effective will he be? Meanwhile, the other side of it is, really, this is, this is like a, a Joe, Joe Burrow crowning. I think everyone wants this to happen. It, you feel the momentum of people referring to his track record against Cincinnati or against Kansas City, and all these reasons why that team is angry. I really enjoyed your use of the term toss earlier. Uh, they're obviously the chip on their shoulder with the way they felt disrespected with the schedule, the playoff schedule. I certainly think it makes sense to see the money coming in on Cincinnati. All of that being said, when you start to break down the game, you do start asking those questions like, hey, the Cincinnati offensive line, it wasn't a problem in the snow when it was a little slipperier and maybe the defensive linemen weren't getting their get off. But now in Kansas City, I don't think we expect it to be uh, any sort of wet weather. Is that offensive line going to be a problem again? uh is, is the crowd uh maybe being a little bit more hostile and and the kansas city chiefs ability to stay in the game is that going to affect the way this team is able to play because if you really think about it i was watching that at, you know again giants fan here but i was watching that Bengals game thinking boy this looks a lot like the eagles giants game and it was over so quickly i don't even know how much this cincinnati Bengals team was tested so the counter argument certainly is appealing, and and anytime you can take Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid as a very clear, unpublic contrarian play, it does feel like that's the move for me. Like, let's start the week off by just slapping this in a teaser, getting ourselves Kansas City plus seven and a half, and then from there, I think if this closes near two and like two and a half, I think we're, I'm certainly going to be looking for a Kansas City money line.
3: Yeah, with Kansas City, I think that's fascinating to take a look at them because they're also going up against a Bengals team that all the talk for them last week was the offensive line issues. They looked relatively solid against the Buffalo Bills, but I still have my question marks because it was a game that was played in the elements in Buffalo, and Buffalo, they had their issues as well. I know that It happened a while ago, but they were thinking that Von Miller was going to be that big pass rusher that was going to lead them to the promised land. He gets injured a few weeks before the playoffs, and they didn't have his services. And for the Bengals, even though they had one good game, I still feel like it's worth bringing up these offensive line issues, and I do think that they are going to play a part in this game.
4: Uh, especially if Kansas city is able to keep in the game. I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, run blocking in, in the conditions in wet on a wet field is much easier than having to pass block in almost any scenario, especially with the loud crowd in Kansas city. I, I just think having a dry field is going to make a big difference. And, you know, maybe we'll give it a little of that backup quarterback situation where once you get the game a tape, once you get uh, an idea of what these guys are going to try to do with these reinforcements, you might have a better idea of how to attack it. And once again, uh, you know, a Giants fan, Steve Spagnolo, have some great memories of his ability to scheme up some pressures, even with only four guys. So I certainly would be looking there because we have seen Joe Burrow look very human. Uh, this, this Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes for the greatest of all time or whatever that people are hot taking right now. Joe Burrow almost lost to a, a a a doesn't matter who the quarterback was Baltimore Ravens team because of the way they played him on defense and I think if you can learn from that and you can attack Joe Burrow in the same way he's also willing to make some of those same Josh Allen type mistakes so I think for me the battle here on the trenches both ways uh, obviously with Mahomes lack of mobility but let let's see what Burrow looks like behind this offensive line for a second time I'm willing to bet on Spags and that defense
3: Yep, with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. How much do you take into account with them that I've noticed this with them every single year? Their defense, it typically starts off not so great. They've got things that they need to figure out. I don't know if it's because maybe they've got a few more moving pieces than others, but they always start out the year relatively rough on defense, but they always seem to peak towards back half of the season, and it feels like that is happening once again with this Chiefs team.
4: And you, you saw this for years with Belichick and Brady. When you have a quarterback that you know can get you over the finish line, get you into the tournament, you got to experiment. You've got to get guys playing time, and and I absolutely think it's that. Whether it's, it's Belichick in his defense or this this Chiefs team in the defense, you know, we were we, I think we discussed this a couple weeks ago. They were getting reps for rookies. They were with injury, due to injury, and, they you know, the numbers don't look great. That's why you kind of, like we said earlier, you might have to throw out some of the regular season stuff because, they were getting guys reps so that when it mattered in the big moment in the conference championship for the fifth straight year, uh, they would make sure to get over the hump. And uh, honestly, like the thing we haven't talked about really much at all. You don't think Patrick Mahomes is hearing everyone talk about how Joe Burrow owns him? To me, that is a, such a powerful force in sports. In sports, and I, I don't think you often get to play the Patrick Mahomes chip on his shoulder.
3: I think that that is something that is worth discussing. On the flip side, and. On the flip side, also with Ryan Kramer, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, we've got to take a look at the NFC side of things as well, because while there hasn't been as much line movement with the NFC title game, there's no shortage of intrigue. And we're gonna be diving into that next right here on the Greg Peterson experience on BSIM the sports betting network.
4: South on
3: VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Football fans with conference championships this weekend, it is that time to check out Bet Rivers. You can win up to $10,000 of bonus money instantly by playing in our exclusive Bet Rivers squares this football season. Place a qualifying wager of $10 or more, and you get a square on the house. If the numbers on the square match up with the final score of the game, you win. Restrictions on qualifying wagers, eligibility bonuses, credit use, so much more. It does apply. Full terms and conditions are available at betriversquares.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. Obviously, the sports betting network. Great to be jo- rejoined by Ryan Kramer, who does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Ryan, I know that we have left off talking about just the fact that Joe Burrow has had the number of Patrick Mahomes and. How much you take into account of this? Because we do see it in sports where you've got trends where it's like, oh, Team X is 14-5 and five in their last 19 games against Team Y. And some of these I do think have quite a bit of relevance, especially when the teams have been relatively the same. And I think it's fair to say the Bengals and the Chiefs in every one of these matchups, they have been relatively the same rosters as we are going to be seeing on Sunday. This is not one of these trends where it's like, Well, 47 years ago, IUPUI knocked off Morehead State in a college basketball game where 27 people were there, and everyone that coached in that game was dead. You don't have anything like that here, so what do you make out of it? Because I don't think that you want to be falling into the sort of vector of trends being an end-all, be-all, but I do think that there is something to this.
4: Well, certainly when you watch the way that the Bengals are able to play defense, I mean, they did it last week against the Bills, they kind of sit back, they they, they dare you to beat them. It reminds me a bit of the old Bears defenses uh, with Lovey Smith, where just they're going to let you pass the ball five yards down the field and they're going to hit you and hit you and hit you again. And see if you have the patience. And I, you know, it broke Josh or broke Patrick Mahomes last year. And I, in some ways, they had a full offseason, Andy Reid did, to think about it. How do we attack this defense next time we see it? I do wonder how much of that uh, plan they deployed in the regular season when they lost in Cincy by three. Now, having the playoff revenge spot, having the regular season revenge spot, I have to imagine Andy Reid has always been innovative. He's always have found a way to adjust. That's why he's still in the league. That's why he's still uh producing great offense after great offense. And frankly, that style of the two deep that that the Bengals kind of sit in, that that was the kryptonite to Mahomes. And and to me, I think you do pet you, you do have to carry some weight to this this emergence of Joe Burrow as being the maybe the best guy. Is he the current goat? Is he the next guy? I think all of that matters in the world of these guys. And I specifically think in this world where Patrick Mahomes is not winless against too many people. he's not. Andy Reid is not uh, suffering multi-game losing streaks like this to the same team. And so I think it matters. I think all of that matters. And I think the biggest uh, characteristic of this is that it's in Kansas City. I think they deploy some wrinkles that we didn't see in the regular season rematch and You know, in a weird way, the fact that we have a hobbled Mahomes makes me like this even more. Andy Reid even more dialed in, more focused and less likely to do something stupid because he has healthy Mahomes to cover it up for him. So, yeah, I I love the, the angle. I love the chip on the shoulder angle. I think you don't get that too often with these elite teams. So any chance I have to do that. And i i think it certainly is going to trump the coin flip uh chip that the Bengals had on their shoulder and deployed last week as they beat the bills
3: i think that that is something that certainly needs to be factored into this one and any way that you're able to find a little bit of an edge when you're going beyond the spreadsheets beyond the advanced analytics what have you i do think that that is something that always needs to be utilized and this i think is going to be an intriguing matchup in the nfc With the Eagles and the 49ers. Less line movement on this game. Opened up with the Eagles being a a 1.5 point favorite. They get bet up to a 2.5. And and this is pretty much frozen from here. It has been at 2.5 for the last 48 plus hours. Where do you stand on this game? Because we were hearing from some people that this could be a line that opens up with the 49ers being a road favorite. That was before we saw the Philadelphia Eagles completely dump truck the Giants. And... I do think that it needs to be pointed out that the Giants, I would say they were probably a little bit of a lesser team than the 49, than the team that the 49ers played in the Cowboys. But still, this is an Eagles team that they looked really, really good against the Giants. And it's a 49ers team that they showed some warts in that game against the Dallas Cowboys.
4: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think this, Brock Purdy guy is he's a gamer. I don't know how all 32 teams missed on him so hard for him to fall down to be Mr. Irrelevant in the seventh round, but he's operating the the Shanahan offense at a high, high level. Uh, I mean, it really does make you wonder what Shanahan could do with a fully operatable uh, Trey Lance type who can actually be super mobile and be a, a, a complete dynamic force like Josh Allen. But there is something very poetic to the fact that the most successful that Shanahan has had has been pure pocket passers who are literally just operating this incredible performance machine. And so in some ways I do think his offenses are going to round into better shape uh, with that type of guy. Now, that being said, they've had all this success down the stretch in very positive situations. Most of the games Brock Purdy has played were at home. The one, uh, two road games that stand out to me. One was that Raiders game in Las Vegas. And remember, we were puzzled. How did this Niners team barely win the game It's a 10-point favorite? The other one was a, a divisional game against the Seahawks where they only put up 21 points and, and you know, quote-unquote hostile. But that was it. Every other game they've played has basically been in a situation where, okay, we're winning the game, we're the offense is working, we're doing what we need to do. And so now you, you transpose all of that and you make Las Vegas or Seattle, Philadelphia in the playoffs against a team that is angry. Uh, they're pissed off. They're finding every little bit of motivation edge they can. And, you know, frankly, I'm sh- I, I said, I was shocked to not see this one open at three purely because if you, if, if you don't know you, maybe you don't know, but Philly, like the home edge is real. And I think it, it. you watch the Giants game, that game was over the second that Dan Jones threw that interception early in the game because you knew they were going to go on, put the foot on the throat, and just and just step down. And that's what they did. And so if you're asking me, you know, do I think the 49ers could fall behind here, 7, 10, 14, nothing, and then Brock Purdy makes a mistake? Absolutely. And I think if Brock Purdy makes that mistake in that same type of scenario, I think they're going to be in trouble. And so if you're a Niners fan, you're just, you're hoping that run game can really be deployed and be effective here. And you can get the ball to your athletes in space because I I do think that we're underselling what this defense is. The ability to get pressure, the ability to have playmakers all over the field. I think this Eagles team is a bigger mismatch than the spread is suggesting. And I think the fact that it's a rookie quarterback coming into a very, very, very hostile situation it's 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 eagles are nothing for me and i like i said i'm i'm shocked it's not three
3: and with this number of what we're seeing is that if this were played on a neutral field they would have this pretty much darn near equal which i do find to be very fascinating as well because there's no doubt of about it the quarterback edge it is with the philadelphia eagles and i feel like jalen hurts put every single question to rest i don't know if you have any questions or not with jalen hurts going into this game but i absolutely loved what i saw out of him in that game against the Giants, there were design runs. He was able to execute all of them. He was able to air the ball out down the field that we haven't seen in a little bit over a month from him. And he checked every box for me.
4: The only, uh, you know, the only box that you would, the perpetual box, you would say, is, and in, in, in this is a credit to how good the Eagles have been this year, but he really hasn't been tested too often to have to throw in a chase down scenario against an elite defense. And yes, this 49ers run defense could be so stout that it puts him in a different situation than they're normally in. Because a lot of what I said about Brock Purdy is true about uh, Jalen Hurts too. They've been in mostly positive game scripts. Uh, that being said, uh, it's it's a home it's a home atmosphere where I, I think it's going to benefit Jalen Hurts. And to your point, the the biggest question I would have had about Jalen Hurts is does his team buy into him? And it, there's no question. I mean. The dude's a dog, and and unfortunately, as someone who's in the division, uh, part of the Giants now, it's it sucks to have to see. I mean, the, the best thing I have going for him is that he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback, so maybe Howie Roseman will get cute and not want to keep him around, but as far as I can tell, uh, they're going to be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, and and uh, it's, it's near doomsday scenario. Uh, fortunately, the Cowboys are no longer in the playoffs.
3: Yep, it is going to be really good what we're going to be getting on these two games. No doubt about it, we're probably going to be seeing a lot more line moves as the week goes along as we're going to be hearing those rumors of Patrick Mahomes, whether or not he looks good in practice or not. We're going to be hearing all about what we've seen in the past out of the Eagles and the 49ers, and that is going to be coming to the forefront and Ryan, you and all those other folks over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are doing a great job breaking it down. Always appreciate your time. Thank you.
4: Appreciate it, Hoops. Blue suit looks sharp.
3: Thank you. That is a very nice compliment. Those of you guys watching on vcin.com, YouTube TV, what have you, got the blue suit on tonight, which means that we're going to be taking a look at some college basketball teams that wear some blue next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on vcin. The Sports Bank Network.
2: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're experiencing
4: Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: If you are looking for a betting edge on football's biggest game, the vsin Our experts, we've got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer. Just $9.99 to get started as VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to a daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show us and guests. Tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and the bets are moving on every single game. Deep dive betting reports plus VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, especially when it comes to college basketball, best bets, all the big game props, Do not miss out on this limited time offer. Visit visa.com slash subscribe today to sign up for just nine dollars 99 and become a part of the Sports Betting Network. That is at vsin.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Big thanks to Ryan Kramer for joining me the last few segments, taking a look at what we're all going to be getting in the NFL this weekend. And while we've got two really good games in the NFL we can't make money on those games until Sunday. So we've got to take a look at some college basketball here. And we're also going to be taking a look at another market where it's not going to be immediate. the returns, but now we've got the Academy Awards. They are all set with regards to the nominations. And I just saw our good friend Brian Ortega walk-in studio wearing a very, very dapper suit. And he is going to be on in our number three to help break those down along Tom Cunningham. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Oscars betting. Fortunately, it's something that we can't do out here in lovely Las Vegas, but I know that you guys out there on the East Coast, you're able to take advantage of that, and it's always nice to be out watching movies as well. We're going to be talking about the biggest snub, as sometimes I do feel like the Academy Awards, they don't necessarily always give it to the most deserving of movies, so I've got to point out my gripe right there. Those of you guys that know me know exactly where I'm going to on that, but we're going to save that for our number three, and... We're going to be taking a look at a team that plays in blue because that is what I promoted in the previous segment. So we're going to be going with Creighton versus St. John's. This is 719, 720 on the betting board. Thank goodness gracious, I picked a game in which I'm actually taking a look at the team in blue as well, by the way. So good job on me for that tease in the previous segment. Creighton, they are finding themselves 9.5 to 10-point favorites. Total this game is anywhere between 151.5 and 152. I felt like Creighton should have been more like an 11-point favorite, and this is one up from the opener of nine, but with St. John's, I think that this is a little bit of a mismatch because with St. John's, you do have a pair of guys in Andre Corbello, coupled with Pasha Alexander. They do a nice job of being able to generate steals. They get nearly four per contest. They do a nice job in terms of their on-ball defense, and it is a St. John's team that they are looking at running and gunning. With regards to total possessions per game, St. John's, one of your more rapid teams in all of college basketball at 18th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Creighton, they're more of a mid-tempo team at right around 125th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. But the big key for Creighton is that their numbers are a little bit warped this year with what we've seen. And the big reason why Ryan Kilkbrenner was out due to an illness just before Christmas. Creighton lost every single game of which he did not play in the seven-foot-one big man. It's able to shoot darn near thirty-seven and a half percent from three, with fifteen and a half points, seven rebounds, multiple blocks per game. Is back in the fold and he's going to be firing all cylinders for Crane, and that's going to be big because St. John's has Joel Soriano. He ranks number three in the country in terms of rebounds per game, with right around twelve and a half boards, sixteen and a half points per game. He's been able to do a solid job, and I think that you're going to see our good friend, Mr. Ryan Kelleck be able to win that battle. And then you've got by far the more efficient guard in this game. That'd be Ryan Nemard. Nemard had a big-time turnover. Whoa, last season with right around 3.7 turnovers per game. He's cut that in half this season. He's giving you 11 points per game. And then you've got Arthur Kaluma, Trey Alexander. They both give you 12 points per contest. Baylor Shireman in that fold as well. Shireman... Shooting about 40% from three point range. Kaluma sometimes leaves a little bit of something to be desired with his three point shooting percentage, but by and large, this is a crane team that's firing all cylinders with that main starting five. You don't necessarily have a lot of guys that come in off the bench. You probably have a little bit more depth with regards to the St. John's team, but for St. John's, they're a little bit of an all or nothing defense. They either get a steal as they generate right around nine steals per contest, they do a good job of being able to get turnovers, but If they don't generate that turnover, their on-ball defense is leaving a little bit of something to be desired. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, it is a St. John's team that they rank right around 68th in the country in terms of that moniker. Meanwhile, you've got a Creighton team that, as I mentioned before, their numbers are skewed a little bit. 77th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But if you take a look at them at home, and Ryan Kalkbrenner, I do not believe, has missed any home games for this Creighton team. They're giving up 14.4 points fewer per 100 possessions at home rather than in a road slash neutral court environment. I think that Creighton is going to be able to get the job done in this spot. In a game, that I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring, but I do think that we're starting to get a little bit too lofty with this total. I did set Creighton as an 11-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it in. With my total, I made it a 153. It is a St. John's team that they play at a relatively rapid pace. You're getting more value on this total a bit earlier when it was right around a 150 and a half. Looks like a lot of the 152 and a halves have dropped back down to 152. So still a little bit of value on the over, but it's starting to diminish just a little bit. Still do like the over, but not as much as before. And with Creighton made them an 11 point favorite. So I'm going to be willing to lay it. How about if we go with a game that has darn near a pick line? This is sub 21, sub 22 on many board. One of the later games that we're going to be seeing on Wednesday with Tulane at the road face-off against Wichita State. Wichita State between a pick'em to a one-point underdog after opening up a one-point favorite. Total is 146.5, and this is a good old battle of the tortoise and the hare. You've got a Tulane team that they rank in the top 20 in terms of possessions per game. They're looking to run it and gun it with their guards. Wichita State, they are a team outside the top 250 in terms of possessions per game. Wichita State. Hangs their hat on defense. Top 40 team in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Tulane has scored at least 80 points in five out of the last seven games, with the main exception being their game against a Houston Cougars team that is one of the most dominant defenses that we've seen in quite some time. So that is something to take note of. You've got the two Jalens, Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, for this Tulane team. They're combining for about 37 half points per game. They do a good job of being able to generate swipes. These two guys, they combine to give you just under four steals per game. It's a two-lane team of which you've got a really good starting front line for the team, and then you really don't have a whole a lot else. Other than that, I mentioned the two Jalens. You do have one in Forbes, who's able to shoot 37.5% from three. Cook, he only shoots about 29.5% from distance, but both of these guys shoot above 89.5%. The free-throw line, Tulane, a top-five team in terms of free-throw shooting percentage in all of college basketball with Cook. He chips in there four and a half assists per game, and then you got Kevin Cross, Sion James, they mind for about 25 points, just under eight assists per contest between these two gentlemen. They give you a little bit over 11 rebounds per game, but really outside of your main four with this team, you don't get a lot out of anyone else. Tylin Pope has been able to give you right around six and a half points per game. And for Wichita State, it is a little bit of a top-heavy team in their own right, as you've got Craig Porter, who's able to do a solid job, give you 12 points per contest. You get right around 12 points per game as well. Out of Jaquan Walton, these two guys, both give you 5.8 rebounds per game. Porter is able to chip in there. One and a half steals, two blocks per game. Walton shoots more road like 33% from three-point range. But with Wichita State, big reason why I did set the line that I did, which is with Tulane being a two-point favorite, is that you just don't necessarily have a lot of explosive shooting in this spot. As it is a Wichita State team that they shoot 29.1% from three-point range. That is in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball in terms of three-point shooting percentage. And if this is a nip-and-duck game, something that I just alluded to, Tulane's free-throw shooting percentage. I think that that is very important in tight lines. And it's also important when you do have lines where you've got a favorite that's laying five, six, seven points. You get those late-game fouling scenarios. I mentioned it with that North Carolina versus Syracuse game. That's something that's completely unforeseen. North Carolina. A relatively solid free throw shooting team. They had both of those free throws be halfway down, roll out. That is just rough right there, to say the least. If you had North Carolina, if you had Syracuse, solid win there. You probably should have never found yourself in that spot. That said, you did find yourself in that spot, and you survived to tell the tale. But I always do try to take a look at free throw shooting when it comes to tighter lines like this. And, it is for me the differential in this game. You've got a pair of teams that you've got not necessarily a ton of doubt with them, but I do think that even though Wichita State is gonna be able to slow this game down a little bit more, I set my total at a 144 and a half here at 146 half. I'm gonna be willing to dive under. I'm willing to take Tulane outright here as a very, very slight favorite slash to pick them. I'd be willing to lay up to one and a half with them because I do think that the free throw shooting is going to be a big advantage here. And something that is a big advantage with regards to being a visa pro subscriber getting all the pro tips that we give out visa.com slash subscribe you're able to sort these by showing by sport and the pro tip for our number two just because we've got fewer games on the nfl betting board doesn't mean that the volume size needs to increase with regards to the amount of money that you bet in terms of these sides and totals if you typically have like five sides that you bet $50 a piece on. That doesn't mean that if you have one side that you like, you put $250 on that side. Take a look at some player props instead if you're looking for added action. And you know what? The NBA, NHL, they provide a lot of action. So does college basketball. We take a look at more college basketball on the flip side here on the Greg Peterson Experience. I'm v the Sports Bank
2: Zumo Play.